Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hello, I'm Trish Halpin. And I'm Lorraine Candy. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, the show where we help you through the midlife, the menopause, motherhood and everything in between. On Postcards from the Midlife today, who's coming on? What are we talking about? Well, we're going to be talking about how to build your career and still have a happy home life. And we're also going to be talking about the thorny subject of messy teenagers and why it's not their fault, but what you can do about it. To share some expert advice and very wise words on both of today's topics, our special guest is Danusha Malina Durban, who is a super successful business consultant and mother of 10. Yes, you heard that correctly, 10 children. She is also the founder of the School for Mothers website and the School for Fathers website too, and hosts its weekly podcast. Um, but first, say, Lorraine, we've both been yawning a bit this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I am. We're a little bit, we um, say, we a little say, bit tired. In our house, we call it tired. You know, when you spell it wrong, because you're so tired. So we are tired. Why are you so tired? Well, there's a there is a reason. <laughs> I fell asleep on the tube to work the other day, which is very, very um, unlike me. So I went to the doctor because I've been a bit quite tired for quite a long time, on and off. But it's kind of exceptionally sort of mm. in my bones tired. Um, and it turns out I'm anemic. Ah. Yeah. So you can only, there are only a certain amount of iron you can get from uh, vegetables. I have been toying with a vegetarian lifestyle, turns out, doesn't quite work for me. Um, So I've had to take iron tablets and now have to look at eating spinach but while drinking orange juice because apparently it's something to do with vitamin C. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm tired. Oh, gosh. Why are you tired, Trish? Well, mine is this sort of classic, went out last night, had a few glasses of wine, which was lovely, not too many. You only- do like a glass of wine, though, <laughs> don't you, Trish? But it only takes about three. I find my tipping point is three in terms of sleep. So I then, I can get to sleep fine and then I wake up exactly four hours later mm. so clearly something is metabolising my body. But then I can't get back to sleep because there's this sort of snoring, snuffling sound. Giant <laughs> lump of a man next to you. And, um, talking about Neil. Yeah, I'm talking about Neil. So um, so normally my my tactic is get to sleep before him and then I don't, I don't <laughs> hear the snoring. <laughs> but when there's... It's your tactic not to put a pillow over his face. That's not your tactic. <laughs> That's not my tactic. So then it's down to kind of like silicon earplugs and there's getting those out of the drawer and uh, squidging them up and shoving them in my ears. Anyway, the resulting point is that I, I haven't slept very much last night. But you know what? You just get used to it, don't you? You just crack on with your day and but, you get through yeah. it. So that's I what think we... you crack on and then you think about the bits, the points of your day where you're going to enforce a sugar high of some sort. <laughs> a caffeine, I like to have big a old strong coffee at yeah. about three o'clock. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I think it's time we heard from our guest, Danusha Melina Durban. (laughs) 
Now, I'm just going to go right in there and say, how harmonious are things in your life right now? Oh, my goodness, that's a good question. We just moved. So you're catching me at a really difficult time because uh, moving is one of the most stressful things that you can do, let alone with... Can I just tell everyone you've got triplets as well? Oh, yes. So you had seven children, thought you'd have another one, and you had triplets, which... Yes, that last baby. Just is extraordinary. Well, it was a bit of a shock. As you can imagine. How do yes. you move triplets? <laughs> and the other, They're and the seven, others. aren't they, your triplets? <laughs> yes, yeah. they are. They're just seven. Um, well, it's a, it's a military operation. That's how you move. Is every day a military operation, particularly with your teenagers? Have you got teenagers in the house with yes. you at the moment? Yes, I do have teenagers, yes. I don't know that there's any time that I've not had teenagers in the last God knows how long. Well, so. and will have for the next... Well, you've got a decade ahead yeah, of you. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. yeah. that's sobering, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think honest. there's something unique about being in the mid, being menopausal, being mm-hmm. midlife, and having teenagers. Oh, I agree. While also having younger children, which is unique, probably to our generation of women, because we've yes. been in, we've had children quite a lot later. I had my last child at 43. Yes. Um, so, how do you? I mean, I suppose from a daily routine point of view, how does it work? Well, it works by being what very, very... Yeah, exactly. Let's cut to the chase, Delusia. <laughs> um, I think one of the, one of the dirty words of, um, you know, life, uh, having a career and having children is, is discipline. And I don't mean disciplining the children. I mean discipline in mm. life. So it sounds really, really dull. But creating systems in the home that work, that mean that the team, and I do mean the family actually all know where, if you look for a pair of scissors, you know where they are. That saves so much time, doesn't it? Well, this sounds really yeah. tiny. No, but it's but very where important. are the shoes? The shoes mm. live, they don't live in a, I mean, I've got friends who have great big um, baskets and they all throw their shoes in. Can you imagine how much time there would be if all of my children were, and of course they don't all live at home now, but I've had, I think 18 months ago there was eight or nine well, I mean, mm. when you've got that many, that's yeah. you know, like, is it eight? Is it nine? I like that you, <laughs> you lost count. <laughs> I'm teasing. Great. I'm teasing, yeah. actually. <laughs> but if I really did know Do how you many, keep forgetting all their names. I forget <laughs> mine. No, no, names. I, to go I go you number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the, it's either the numbers or you go through. Oh, mummy, you, you have to go through all the boys before you get to a girl. Yeah. You know, I mean, please, mum. <laughs> it, it does get tedious. But yes, yeah, so it's systems. Which sounds really boring. So your background from a business point of view mm. is you, you're really essentially an academic who's done a lot of yes. theory around leadership, how mm-hmm. it works, and particularly female leadership and how it fits into big business. Yes. Um, and I think families, particularly larger families or, or, or blended families, different kinds of families, that's a little bit about leadership from a mum point of view, isn't it? Do you overlay your thoughts and your learnings from the, the theories that you have in the house, in the domestic, in, and what would be useful for our listeners? Well, I think, I think you're completely right. I think, actually, when we begin to see it as leadership, then it becomes easier. So when we run a business or when we're in a business of any kind, then we have to step up and actually run it as a team. I think the idea of female leadership and male leadership in the workplace is really interesting and and the different qualities that both can bring. Obviously, male leadership probably dominates female leadership generally in business. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? And we were interested in the idea of how do those qualities spill over into the home? Well, leadership, the more senior you get, the more negotiating power you need, don't you? Yeah. It's about influence. It's not about operational 
yeah. quality, you know, uh, kind of um, expertise. So really, women are equipped in spades and like we are yeah. extraordinary negotiators from taming the toddlers to the teens. We and, and onwards, adult children. Of course we are. We are extraordinary. So I think most of my work actually is bringing, is bringing the skills from the domestic into the workplace and having workplaces understand that women are an advantage, not a disadvantage. They're an asset to business. But you're asking the opposite, really. Yes. How do you take it home at the end of the day? How do you if take you it home? Have a job. Well, I, 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 I like to think of it as the difference between individualism and collectivism. So, a lot of families. I don't really care whether you've got two children, whether you've got one, yeah. or whether you've got sixteen. It's a unit, isn't it? It's a unit, and that's the most important thing. And a lot of mothers take it on board. As, as it's their responsibility for everybody's happiness, when actually it's the unit's responsibility. So it's about collectivism as opposed to individualism. So everyone's voice mm-hmm. Everybody. is heard yes. within and, the family. And do you find, yes. um, I mean, you know, we have to prioritise, we have to make choices and make decisions constantly throughout the day, yes. throughout the week. Um, so when you're doing that, are you thinking, well, you have to think about your job and your family at the same time, about your decision-making processes. How do you prioritise? Well, it's, it's about integration, isn't it? So we've been taught to actually compartmentalise, like, oh, here I am, the family woman, or the family man. Here I am over here, I'm the working woman. It's, it's not that. We can't be that way anymore because there are no clear lines. A lot of women reach a really high point of their career yeah. in their midlife, um, We've worked very hard and we've got to this point. And at the same point, we have teenagers at home. Yes. Generally. um, So that's going on. And sometimes it behoves us to step back a bit um, and say, could we work a four-day week? Could we finish earlier? Because I think teenagers need you more. I couldn't agree with you more. I think their time, Mm -hmm. they they call you. My Mm -hmm. my mobile starts going at about four Mm o'clock. They text you. They're in able to vocalise in a way that toddlers and babies, so they're, they're much more. How, from your point of view, how do women work out how they can step back a bit but still maintain their... Because I think some women are very frightened of asking for mm. to leave early, to change their hours. What, what advice would you have for women? Not just from your personal point of view. I know you've interviewed a lot of women mm. on the podcast. Yeah, I think that it's... I think the first thing is working out what you want. Mm. And I think we're not terribly good at that. We, we look outside and see what others are doing and compare ourselves and try to follow their paths. And it does take a lot of courage to walk your own path. And so really taking some time out, a few hours to sit and ask yourself some difficult questions about what what do I really want? And, and actually, what would that look like? And some of that will be stepping back and honouring those priorities, as you said, you know, what is it that's most important to me at this point? Because it'll keep changing. And that's it. It mm. constantly keeps changing. Not not on a weekly basis, but no, on a but kind of what family life, life does, yeah, doesn't life it? Life stage cycle. Where am I? What's most important to me as a woman? Forget as a mother. What do I want mm. right now? Mm. What's what's the impact I want to have in this family, in my career? And not to not to shame yourself for it. I but think it's a lot of punishment, the, the self-punishment. Other, the other thing you've talked about on uh, the School for Mothers uh, podcast as well is that finding yourself again. Mm-hmm. I think we lose mm-hmm. ourselves as parents for a we long do. time in our jobs and then you think you're, you're at a stage in your... Well, I'm 51, 
Trisha 52, we're at a stage where we think, well, what what are we now? Who are we now? Mm-hmm. Um, and you've talked about that before, the not the mother, the person. Yes, it's, it, it's, it's who are you apart from being a mother? Sounds well, a bit self-indulgent, doesn't it? Who am I? <laughs> it's a really difficult question to answer. When I did my coaching course, we had to do... Um, the first thing they told us was that we had to talk about who we are and we do the, well, I'm a mother, I work here, I work there, and they were like, no, who are you? And then we we had to write a dissertation on yeah. it by the end of the course. Oh, my and goodness. everyone was my worst nightmare. out by it. But it is the most revelatory mm-hmm. thing and really mm-hmm. helpful, helpful. It talks to everything you're saying about your priorities, your values, the things you grew up with, and you really get a, a much, much better understanding of yourself, which I think is Is it key to marvelous. write it down, do you think? Because write, write a dissertation. Or write a journal. Or journaling. Or a yeah, definitely. Well, I think writing it down is crucial, isn't it? Mm. Actually putting it on paper and finding that time to do that, and it's a scary endeavour, isn't it? Mm. It really is. But who, who are you behind all those roles? Because really when we say, oh, I'm a wife, I'm a sister, I'm a mother, we're talking about functional roles as opposed to, well, who's at the heart of me? Who... Who, what do I really want? And then when we get that, we, how do I honour that? How do I do that? How do I make this happen? Mm. No. So do you feel like your career has been a fluid, flexible and adaptable on the way? Have you been kind of adapting and changing it to where you want to be at certain times? Did you set goals for yourself? I think, I think that's that's quite a... I enjoy that question a lot because the reason I'm I'm smiling is because we hear this narrative about women's careers being, you know, as you say, uh, uh, either fluid or like a jungle. We jump from one thing to the other and we have no goals and we're not strategic. And we're. And actually, I was deeply strategic as an academic, deeply. Mm. I knew what I wanted. I researched how to do that. I interviewed all these professors. Like, how did you do this? How did you do this? What were the steps you took? Like, And part of that was not being very naughty as women I think about not being seen as ruthless bitches we don't like to be seen that because we people won't like us so I'm not talking about that I was simply being expedient like I had Logical. five children That's a good word expedient. yeah I was expedient I didn't have any time to waste you know I wasn't yeah. I couldn't hang around chatting networking it was like how did you do this tell me the tell me the clear steps and when I heard them I didn't like them I didn't like them at all. What, what did you did not you like? Did you your own steps then? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well this, this speaks to your question about how do you find yourself. I, I, I heard that you have to, you know, it takes 25 years to be a prof, a professor. You know, you have to do this. You, you write a paper, then you send it in to the publisher, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, I haven't got time for that. I can't <laughs> got do triplets. that. I've got you know, I've got all these children. And so I thought, right, well, how can I how can I do that journey but on my own terms? Can I ask you a personal question? You can answer this or not. Mm. Why have you had ten children? Oh, it's a great question. Um well one, why not? Indeed. Indeed, why not? But um, I mean it must have been clear that if you are a ambitious and and you've worked incredibly hard and mm-hmm. very high flying in your career that the more children you have the less time you you will have the more exhausting it may be physically what 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 was your kind of thinking i don't know that i think it's physically exhausting uh, the pregnancies pregnancy is not necessarily um easy for me so that's a bit of a funny mm. one isn't it yeah. to put myself through yes. that yeah um but it's the only way to get them um 
other than a surrogacy and I'm that's you know mm. not not my route um I think it's emotionally taxing I think we need to know what our bandwidth is do we have that's the key isn't it everyone's is different well we're all so different and I suppose because I've spread my children over a lifetime you know I've spread it from pretty well as soon as you can have children not quite but Mm. You know, you get the gist. Late teens, right the way through to, you know. So you've always had children. Perimenopause and menopause. Mm. Yeah, of course. Amazing. So you got pregnant during perimenopause? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That feels quite exhausting to me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, literally getting on the tube during my perimenopause was exhausting. (laughs) Having a baby would have tipped me over the edge. Well, actually, giving birth to the triplets banged me into menopause. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There must have been an awful lot of hormones going on with, with triplets. Yeah, yep. so yep. I, I, what I didn't think through, and how could I have thought through, was the intersection between toddler triplets and teens and menopause. Mm. Mm, that's quite triple a Triple whammy. Yeah, that is a triple, triple whammy. Threat. Yes. And, it, and, and, and then, of course, city business. And, and so, actually, breastfeeding, all of that stuff, I didn't think that through. No. So... I Maybe would, if you had, you wouldn't have done it then. Possibly. I had the choice yes. to reduce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could have, and by that, what I mean is, you know, to, to you know, reduce the, the triplets down to twins or singleton. Yeah. I chose mm-hmm. not. Um, that's, a, that's a horribly difficult choice. Well, every higher order multiple pregnancy has mm-hmm. that choice. They're all consultants you offer it. You must have been quite high risk at that age then. Yes. I suppose so. That's a very medicalised... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I understand why it's offered, and and I know people that have taken that, and you know, we again we make our own decisions, and I my decision was that I felt that my body would do its work, not to necessarily create sustain three, but if it wasn't going to sustain three, then it would. Yes, it would. Yeah, and that that's just a very personal choice, and they happen to be born very very early, mm. as you would expect, and they're alive mm. i'm lucky enough to but have them you knew you were, need a lot of care and nurture. Yeah. yes yeah yes. but you knew you were fini- financially viable to mm-hmm. to support that mm-hmm. sized family yes okay in your relationship comfortable in your job had you did you tick all that off logically is that um, your is that how we no, make I d- choices i don't or? think that no. is how i don't think that's how we necessarily am i am i equipped to to do this job you know, am I equipped as a human being, as a person, as a woman, to do this, no matter what happens? So, yes, I was in a relationship during that pregnancy. I, by choice, became a single mother. That sounds barking mad. Yeah, barking stressful. mad. Stressful. It sounds stressful to me. Yeah, yeah. Do so, you have good home help at home, domestic help? I think Trish and I often talk about this. I've had great nannies, and I'm mm, very proud mm, of my nannies, and I'm mm-hmm. proud I've been able to afford... Um, yes, because I don't come from a privileged uh, background. Mm. Not that that should make any difference. But well, I it does have financially, good, though. Yeah, it does financially. Yeah. I have good paid help, which mm. I have worked very hard <laughs> to be able to pay for. And I do think that perhaps I might not have had as large a family if I had not had as great paid mm. help. What? How do women navigate that? Because in... Uh, and I've we've interviewed Dame Helena Morrissey before on yes, uh, Sunday Times. Mm-hmm. And we've she's very clear that many women who reach the very top of their careers should be talking about the help they have at home and and the way it works. How have you navigated that and what would your advice be? Well, I agree with Helena because behind successful women usually is a team, isn't it? 
and yeah. and so it takes a village it's been yeah it's been a hidden aspect so we've unfortunately created this super wo- woman wonder woman kind yeah. of mystique Myth. of yeah that other women feel like oh my god you know she does all that no 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 i have i don't have a cleaner and it's for instance, it's partly because I'm so super tidy and have built in those practices into the home. Do I run around doing it? Don't be ridiculous. Of course I don't. I can't do it. Have I had wonderful nannies? Absolutely. I know all the nannies that I've had. There's about five. That, in fact, four of them are on the School for Mothers Facebook group. I'm so super proud that, you know, we know them and they've got children themselves. Um I don't I have think one at the moment. Also, uh, when I when my second child was, we, I had them very close together, so they were mm. they're fifteen months apart. When she was very uh, just at infant school, um, another mum seemed to be struggling. I could see she seemed very seemed upset in the playground. The, the girls were in the same class together, and she was she just got divorced. She was doing a law degree. It was impo- she couldn't balance. The t- it was tipping her over <gasps> the edge. You mentioned that word. I said. <laughs> I said, well, we live opposite the school. If it's easier for you to drop Phoebe with us mm. before your daughter with us before you go, then I'm happy to just walk her across the road. And that, and she wasn't going to ask for help, but it makes a difference asking for help. How do I think mm. women mm. don't look at the... It's not just being able to... Not everyone can afford paid help. I no, absolutely understand that. But that shouldn't prevent their family choices. But... What they can do, I think, some some women is ask for help, <laughs> and we aren't very good at that as women because we see it as a failure. I think perhaps is that something you've encountered? How do we? Because you talk a lot about comparison, how women or mm. how people compare themselves, and the, mm. the, the epidemic of comparison. Um, how do women ask for help? How do they do? Make them their kind of needs known a bit more. Well, I think we've because we've got this whole idea of. The perfect women, mother, I guess. Yeah. the perfect mother that we ought to be able to sustain everything seamlessly and look gorgeous and have a wonderful relationship and go on fabulous holidays, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then that that kind of amplifies this this hiding of the need for help, and so sister sisterhood is oxygen, surely. So it's mm-hmm. you know reaching out to other women. I couldn't do what I do currently. And in the past, without a team of incredible friends. So swapping children. You know, I've got, I've got a wonderful twin mother friend. Oh, can I swap my teenagers? <laughs> can I, swap, can yeah, I swap them for some babies? No, but, no, but the Love thing babies. is, seriously, if you... If you so we, we... She's, you know, she's got twins and obviously I've got the triplets and they're the same age. We met in special care. And uh, so I would have... We would swap, not both... But we'd swap a, a, a child on a rotor. And it's really refreshing to actually have somebody else's child. <laughs> I love it's, that it's idea. It's refreshing. Yeah, Ooh. well, I suppose it wakes you up a bit, doesn't it? It makes yeah. you think in a different way. No, but it's a different, they have it's a different, different boundaries dynamic. and routines. It's a yeah. completely... If you think on the business team perspective, when you start swapping out people in a team, everything changes. So ruffling up that, that um, dynamic is crucial. And also, I literally, in my, in my uh, career path, uh, there was another mother with four children. I had five at the time. And one day a week, I would have all hers. So I had a massive, you know, like nine kids. And then another day a week, she had mine. What that meant was no childcare, 
We knew she was working Wednesday, I was working Thursday. It was a godsend. So there are creative ways. Mm. Tea, you know, pooling together, having tea at somebody's house. You know, finding creative ways to do this. And then just sort of moving back into the um, sort of career and, and work sphere, obviously it's very well documented that when women go on maternity leave, quite often their careers take a backward step. And how are you finding in, you obviously advise businesses. Do you think things are changing quickly enough across all sorts of different industries in terms of supporting women coming back into the uh, workplace and then just jumping forwards whole new topic of menopause in the workplace but we can come back come to that in a minute well there's an awful lot of lip service isn't there there's a great deal of lip service to supporting women on maternity leave and coming back etc but we've got 54,000 women losing their jobs in the UK a year during that period and we know that you know pregnant then screwed has has brought that research you know beautifully to the fore and and so yes on one hand it would appear that things are changing are they changing fast enough no they're not you know why have we got such a drain of women that are just leaving because um it's not that their ambitions are changing women's ambitions haven't changed of course they haven't. It's the circumstances. It's the, circum- it's the structures and the systemic um, problems within corporations, within firms that, that mean actually, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of, oh, come back, we'd like you, oh, but unfortunately your job is now, you know, it's, it's been demoted, your salary's changed, or you can work full time, you know, of course you've got to work full time, which is unsustainable for some mothers. I yeah, think so there's going to be quite a big shift because I, I was talking to um, a woman at an event the other night. She's uh, quite senior in the city and I was asking her about, is it changing? Is it still so rigid in terms of dress codes, mm-hmm. flexible working? And she said it has not changed. It's so. But she was saying what's quite interesting is the pipeline of talent coming through from the younger generations. They all want... You know, flexible working, remote working, because that's Millennials. what technology yeah. has. And they will ask. And they are yes, they all will. applying, all mm-hmm. the geniuses, they're all applying to work in the tech companies because that is the way that they behave. So it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, they're going to have to shift the way well, they work. My at teenagers some point. Uh, uh-huh. in the middle of choosing, one's choosing A levels, about to do GCSEs, and the other's been choosing her course at university. And she, their thinking is, we need to do a future career. Because that will give me... Uh, engineering yes. is a future career. Uh-huh. Tech is a future Tech, career. Yep. Language is not so much. <laughs> Might be what they're brilliant at. It's not giving them the future career no. thing. So this future career thinking is also about how their days will be, how their days will be structured. Mm. And they don't want to work to the end. of They don't want to stay in the same firm for a long mm. time. And I think that will free women mm-hmm. slightly mm-hmm. with kind of proactive employing mm. of women in, in fields they're not particularly STEM, that they're not normally yes. employed, and where they drop out at kind of critical stage of 30s and 40s because they can't accommodate their family and, and politics as well. Mm-hmm. Our, most progr- our, our, our work at the moment in consulting is booming in tech companies. So yes. we're actually just, it's really fascinating, just getting uh, being approached to do some work with men, mm-hmm. fathers, basically. Because these millennials fathers and mothers are arguing and saying and demanding they don't want this lifestyle they don't yeah. want this burnout it's well, inhumane go through it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah 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 and do you talk about the menopause in the workplace with men 
well it's becoming something that's very very interesting isn't it and yes yes so increasingly absolutely and it's partly to do with the fact that the and you talked to it um earlier that you know our childbearing age has has expanded to include now that perimenopause and even menopause mm. You know, what what so, yes. sort of things would you like to see companies doing to support women um, going through perimenopause or menopause? What kind of things could happen? Well, I'd like it to be beyond take a bit of time off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shall we turn the temperature down in this yes. room? We're having, we're having, you're having a problem. <laughs> take a few days off and come back when it's over. Um, I suggested the other day that instead of asking for standing up desk, I should ask for a lying down desk. Yes, a lying down <laughs> a lying room would be down great. Room. That would be so, great. Yes. yes mm. Yeah. Well, not. Yeah. I. I. I think it's such an, a new area. It's very, very difficult to actually do anything about menopause without problematizing women. Yeah, mm-hmm. going backwards, making, them, making well. them either victims or see. Obviously, I work mostly at board and sea level. Yeah, um, and and so kind of embedding those those ideas that women really oughtn't to be in the workplace they in the first place. Yes. Yeah. So so that's why I'm kind of slightly going ouch at the moment about this. Mm. I've just been asked to make comment about should women be supportive, and I've just dodged it. I'll be honest because. Mm. I really don't want to embed that, collude with that argument. And what are the what what do we want in the workplace as menopausal women? Really, what do we want? Because yes, the heating does help if it's yeah. not boiling. <laughs> Let's be um, honest, that's a nightmare. Mm. Um, and it's also because menopause is so idiosyncratic, isn't it? it, it it's not something that we all have hot flushes, that we all no, it's are aggressive, that we're all depressed. Mm. That it really is. So I think we're at the forefront of just understanding what it really is a new frontier but I think it does tie in with the whole idea of flexible working and mm-hmm. remote working and and just being responsibility for your for your own hours because then mm-hmm. if it's not about presenteeism you don't have to go in if you're having a well, really well, it's about I, trust though isn't it? I think yeah, it trust. comes <laughs> always comes back to voice yes. and the way women are listened to mm-hmm. at work and or I not. think that's the or not and I think <laughs> that's the the change isn't it i think mm-hmm. being able to voice what you need is is the key so that's everyone at work though so that can apply to men yes. and women so if you're in a workplace environment creating a, a, a place where people can feel they can ask or talk and that's men or women it is it has that, and, to that, be. and that's setting some precedents by agreeing to flexible working for men or women i've got a member of the team a male member of the team i've only got one um and he has twins and he his wife works and they need a flexible so we have arranged it so that he leaves at certain times twice a week and it works around that and then if he has to come in a bit late from school then we so I think either sex so around Mm. menopause as well it's or midlife it's just listening and being able to voice it and then saying this works for the business or it doesn't work for the business well one of the one of the ideas would be to have which would shift fundamentally what's happening at the workplace is mandatory paternal leave Mm. Mm -hmm. What would you know? Yes, if paid at the back- same rate though. Is, yes, that's exactly. the issue, isn't it? Yeah. You know that, and so we, to to speak to what you've just said, it's about introducing humanity into the workplace, isn't it? One would hope so. Yeah. Mm. Well, Danusha, thank, thank you. you so much, Danusha. Thank you. That was really um, enjoyable and very enlightening. Lots of really good things to think about. <laughs> Thank you.
So a huge thank you to Danusha. I mean, I'm just a little bit exhausted <laughs> listening to <laughs> her. So impressive. Just before we go into our nostalgia noodling, um, I'd like to pick up on something that Danusha said there about teens. Between us, Trish and I have six children, four of whom are teenagers. So not quite as many as Danusha, but we do live in households where there are wet tiles all over the floor, mouldy cups left under beds, food secreted all around the house, and general untidiness. This is teenagers. This is nearly all teenagers, actually, boys or girls. Um I think we should talk about how we get them to tidy up because it's a thing I get asked a lot and it's always on a WhatsApp group, isn't it? Oh my God, my teenagers have done this in the house or lost this or broken this and you don't find out till. Do you know what I did the other day? I picked up a massive pile of washing and there was a, my nail scissors that I've been looking for for <laughs> weeks was in this massive pile of washing. Stabbed myself, which is worse than when you tread on Lego when oh, they're little. God, the Lego. And it was, yeah. I just thought, oh God, somebody God. pick up the stuff. Mm. Anyway, so I have talked, um, for the Sunday Times family column, I talked to a therapist who works with teenagers and families and she said, what I must not do is tidy up. That is something you shouldn't do for your teenagers. Um, you need to enable them to think about the environment they live in. So you need to talk to them about it. Do you like to dry yourself with wet towels? Well, if you, do, if you don't, don't leave them lying all over the floor. But also she made a very interesting point. So from a neurological point of view the teenage brain is breaking apart and being rebuilt. It's actually very difficult for them to see the mess. It's very difficult for them to want to be in a tidier environment. But actually, if they are in a tidier environment, it is actually easier for them to function. But they're not going to do it themselves. No, and I think at the same time as the neurological thing that's happening, they're they're just a few years away from adulthood, really, aren't they? And they want more independence. So they don't want to do what we tell them all the time. So the thing that definitely doesn't work, and you know, I've done this, we've all done this, mm. is a row, you know, nagging at the row. It just, it just waste doesn't work. Waste of time. But equally, ignoring it, and hoping that they're going to notice no. that doesn't work either. So what do you think? How do you do it, Lorraine? What do you do? So when they were sort of tweens and pre-tweens, so around 8 to 13, I used to say, if you leave it on the floor, I'm going to throw it away. It reached such a peak of, you know, and the older girls were sharing a room and I just said, this is diabolical, you can't find anything. It's that thing that Danusha said, that there will be one crucial thing you really need that will just speed you up and get you out the house and get you to school on time if you knew where it was. Um, but that didn't really work. So, <laughs> they did. The floor really drove, the floor drove as it's called, no, the clothes on the floor is still there. Wasted mm-hmm. my time. Um, and I once sort of went into, I remember going into my, she's 15 now, going into her room when we were looking for a pair of socks. And I I went absolutely mentally berserk and started emptying her drawers out and throwing everything around. It was a low point in my mothering. I was like animal from the were Muppets. You shouting at the same time? Shouting at the same time. Going, Where are you? Where, why don't you tidy up? How can you live like this? Disgusting. Blah, 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 blah. I think she probably secretly videoed that and made a TikTok out of it for her social media. <laughs> um, but that doesn't work either. So I think what I what I do now is I ask them to bring things. I Could you just bring things up so that I can wash them or clean mm-hmm. them? And I really kind of left them left to them it. Left them to get on um, with it, yeah. And they're very different, actually, mm. the girls. That One is quite tidy and the other is a diabolical mess. So I think it just also, is the way they are. And I think we have to kind of lessen our expectations so it's kind of worth deciding what is important to you. Yeah. So I, for me, like clothes on the bedroom floor, dirty pants in the corner, 
don't care too much. No. Mud trod up the stairs, wet towels everywhere. Can't cope with that. So it's just sort of trying to work out what you're, what you're, <laughs> what you, what you can actually live with and cope with. And the other thing that I think you need to do with them is you've got to be really specific about what it is you're asking them to do. Because if you just say clean your room, they don't know what that means. No. So if that means you know, hoovering up, getting the dirty pants off the floor, putting stuff in there. You have to actually almost give it to them in a list, don't you? And then I find they kind of actually, they can kind of get that. But if it's just a bit general, then... Mm. And is it affecting their day? Because mm. that's what, if it's affecting her homework to not be able to find things, then I will stage a bit of an intervention mm. and say, what mm. could we do about this to make it easier for you? When um, mine got to about 14, I started making them clean their own bedrooms and said, right, with the cleaner, we have lovely cleaner. She's not doing that anymore. You need to be responsible for, you, for your rooms. And um, and if they if they don't want to do it, you could suggest, well, OK, I'll get the cleaner to do it, but you're going to pay for it. Take yeah. it out of I your think the, pocket um, the other thing to be aware of, which some of the psychologists I've talked to for the column often bring up, is not to make them feel shameful for mm. being messy. There is a, a parenting Facebook group that I'm on there's a lot of American uh, parents on it and they regularly post pictures of their kids messy bedrooms and I think that's unforgivable Mm, to mm. do that and it makes it would make me as a teenager and it makes me remember back I would feel ashamed and you you mustn't shame teenagers Mm. uh, with it they also take the bedroom door off which I think is a bizarre thing to do as a form of punishment so you you take the privacy away Mm. it it's their independence. They do still need you, even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes. But their room is their only place where they can be completely and totally mm. independent of you. So you, you can't really mess about with it. No, and I think I think that's a really important point about the, the kind of privacy, and that is their space. But you do need rules about family space, like Danusha was saying. So right downstairs, yeah. in the kitchen, there are no shoes thrown in the kitchen. There are no, I don't know, mugs left in the sitting room. But, you know, they. so I, th- I do think it's Mine, The only rule I have, which is... I think it's symptomatic of quite a big family. So there's six of us, but then there's always there's probably always ten of us because there's always other children, teenagers coming in and out. Is the food in the drawers situation? Food so in the drawer. Food in the drawers. So um, my kids write labels on their food in the fridge. If they bought something nice, they want like bourbon biscuits. We keep all our chocolate in the fridge. Bourbon or biscuits in the fridge. Um, and my eldest likes she likes nice bread, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other one just eats it. Just eats it. She buys it. The other one eats it. So she writes her name on it. That's not worked at all. So she's. <laughs> Puts it in the drawer in her bedroom. Oh, bless. And I said, don't put bread in your underwear oh. drawer. That's not hygienic. Oh. So that's the only time I've oh. gone in and said, well, you need to take the bread out the, out the drawer. Could she, she I have, have a little food before, cupboard, she a little special food, because she have her own little kitchen up there. <laughs> not <laughs> yes, not she, she could and stuff and everything she wants. Or oh move into God. a hotel. Or she but could, I suppose it's kind of getting... Stop hiding food. I know she's going to be going to university next year so I think yeah. the old you know spread yes. in the underwear drawer on the labels she's she's kind of getting ahead of the curve well, on that one isn't she no. but we have, we'll have a chat at, at a fa- at family dinner we always have Sunday dinner together and I'll say look c- can you not eat her food please but they need to learn themselves you can't keep helping stepping in and helicoptering mm. around them I think mm. it's very particular as parents of this generation my mum never went into my bedroom she didn't care it's up to me and were you messy I'm a little bit messy, Trish. Mm, that you were messy as a teenager. Yeah. Hoarder. A you hoarder. End up as a hoarder. I'm a little bit of a hoarder, yeah. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Right, Lorraine, I would like you to tell me what's changed your life this week, what you've been trying, and what's struck up a bit of nostalgia for you. So I'll tell you what's changed my life this week, Trish Halpin. Is it me? No. <laughs> it's a pair of glasses that I bought for a pound in Tiger. Oh. You know that funny shop? Yeah. 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 Plus, uh, plus two? Plus well, twos? I don't know what they were. Anyway, <laughs> so when one gets older, one can't read anything close up. It's really annoying. Um, so I'm in the shower and I can't read the instructions. Of, have you noticed it on cosmetics? Oh, they're, they're so, so tiny. tiny. So tiny. Um, but this pair of glasses for a pound, mm. which I've now got, I can read the instructions. So I'm now not applying conditioner as moisturiser <laughs> anymore. It's always helpful. It's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, t- that has changed my life. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> now, the other thing that I've discovered this week, uh, furry Birkenstocks. Winter Berkies, I call them. The lining is, is uh, I think it's sheepskin mm. and it's furry and it's very helpful for my little nice, feet. Cozy. Well, not for my We're enormous wearing, feet. Wearing out and about or at home? Uh, I'm wearing them at work. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Because the I've got, again, midlife arthritis in my feet. Oh, How annoying is that? Yeah. But does it mean you have to have a pedicure? All year round, like oh, painted yes. nails. If I, you've do. Got those. I do. I yeah, do. But you but do anyway. I'm, yep. Yeah, I'm okay. mindful of my giant manky feet. <laughs> and then the other thing that I've discovered nostalgia noodling, which is wonderful and brought Kid Creole back into my life. Oh. I've told you about my Kid Creole obsession. <laughs> yes. <I>? Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't want to go through what that about again. The but anyway, what about you, the coconuts? Kid Creole and the coconuts. You can buy on eBay the record sleeves. And I was looking for what, without press. the records in them. Well, you you get the records in them as well. I mean, obviously, I've only looked at Kid Creole, not that expensive mm. actually. Mm. Obviously, not that needed or wanted. <laughs> but you buy if you buy the record sleeves, they make really brilliant presents if you frame them. Oh, and a nice. friend of mine who's a big music fan, I was looking for something from the nineties, and I thought this would be perfect. And that was a real nostalgia oh, noodle. Did they for love me. it? Have, they, have you given it to them yet? Not yet. No, <gasps> they're going to love it. They're going to now. Love it. What's changed your life? What okay. have you been trying? And where are you on the nostalgia? Oh uh, well, um, maybe I'll start with nostalgia because because mine's a music-y one too. Did you know that cassettes are back? Cassette no. tapes? Um, apparently all the cool artists now are releasing their work on cassette tapes. And it really took me back to the days of cassettes when I used to just do that lovely thing of making mixtapes for your best friend. You talked about framing something for yes. your friend. And then I also spent many an afternoon in Camden Market buying uh, bootleg, bootleg cassettes of Having geeks. tattoos. Oh no, buying bootleg. <laughs> Having things pierced. No, buying bootleg cassettes. So Have it you brought got back lots of, lots of memories and made me think, which just digital stuff <laughs> I did. But with digital stuff, why would you want a silly old tape that all gets Aww. jammed and mangled? But anyway, I, I did appreciate that uh, nod back to the sort of 
early days of our, our lives. Uh, the thing that's changed my life this week, actually, is a book that I'm reading. I think it's released in 2014, but it's by an author that I'm kind of late to the party with this, Rachel Cusk. Yes. Have you read this? Yes. It's a tri- trilogy of books. Um, I'm reading the first one called Outline, and it's not like this roaring narrative, but it's, it's a series of conversations that the protagonist has with people. And it's just the most beautifully written, thoughtful, thought-provoking, actually, stuff about relationships, marriages and life, like why are we always trying to have more life, more more life, more experiences, that kind of thing. Is it going to make me cry? It's not going to make you cry. It's just going to make you think and ponder. And I, okay. it's quite nice. And then the thing I've been trying, oh, my God, have I been trying this. Tony's, <laughs> have you heard of this? <laughs> no, it sounds a bit sexual. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it is. It's chocolate. So, obviously, oh there's an orgasmic God. element to it. It's um, Tony's Chocolonely. Oh, yes. Do you know it? I do. And it's, it actually gives back, doesn't yes, it? Yes, well, it's, it's a Dutch chocolate Sustainably sourced. Well, it's it's sort of even it's sustainably sourced. It's amazing, amazing big chunky bars of chocolate that with these really loud, funny wrappers. You can buy it in Sainsbury's. They've got things like pretzel flavour and sea salt and caramel. But their mission is to eradicate slavery in the cocoa growing business because yes. apparently there's a big hole. Well, the chain monopoly. is not the supply chain. Not good is no. not good, and inevitably that means with suppressed prices and things, you end up with child labour. So it's stuff yourself online, with chocolate. You? you can get it online. You can get yeah. it in Sainsbury's. Stuff yourself with chocolate. Have an orgasm, but be doing. <laughs> Sorry, that's <laughs> so that's just you, darling. Chocolate, yeah, that's exactly. Just you Love it. on and, your and own on a Thursday night. <laughs> that's it for today. Thank you very much for listening to Postcards from Midlife. Next week, we're going to be talking to Dr. Shazadi Harper, a menopause and perimenopause expert. She's a GP who runs her own clinic, and she's treated many women going through this stage of life. If you'd like to send us a postcard, perhaps you have a question, or maybe you'd like to just tell us your midlife story, because everybody's got a very different story. You can find all the ways to contact us in the description below. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, please do subscribe. We can't wait to talk to you once again next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.